This is Wellness 101, brought to you by the Institute of Natural Health, your home for common sense science-based health care. Here's your host, Dr. T.J. Williams. And happy Sunday, everyone. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Dr. T.J. Williams, and with me as always is Aaron. She'd be, oh, there we go. (laughs) I wasn't sure she was going to acknowledge that she was here. (laughs) Today on the show, we have an action packed show again. Um, Today, we're going to be talking about autoimmune disease. So, the incidence of autoimmune disease has skyrocketed over the past few decades. Uh, More than 700 million people around the world are affected by autoimmune disease. And unfortunately, conventional treatment has very little to offer for most cases of autoimmune disease. And today we're going to talk about how simple dietary changes can help prevent and maybe even reverse um, the debilitating and life-changing conditions that we're talking about. Right. And I think that you know, 700 million people around the world we know have autoimmune disease. Probably there are many more than that. There are so many people who are not diagnosed. Um, A lot of conditions are not um, tested for by most medical doctors. And we may get into this later, but I know there's um, there's a study that over over 50 percent of Conventional medical doctors feel ill-equipped and uncomfortable treating or diagnosing autoimmune conditions. That's mind-boggling. Well, what's crazy to me is the fact that we know they do such a poor job with uh, treating a lot of... I mean, they do a great job at treating some conditions. But, Acute um, care, right. putting you back together after a, an accident, but they massive do infections. such a poor job treating so many chronic conditions, and they feel well-equipped to treat those. So the fact that they themselves don't even feel like they are adequately trained to diagnose or treat autoimmune disease is really scary. Right. It is is really scary considering that of those 700 million people around the world, 50 million Americans have a diagnosed autoimmune disease that we know of, diagnosed. Now, there are tons of people that come to, to our clinic and have no idea that they have autoimmune disease until we start testing and listening to them and figuring out. And then we're like, oh, wait, guess what? You have autoimmune disease. Right. And their symptoms get so far before they actually oh, yes. go outside of conventional medicine. I know that that's what happened in my case. And basically, I was told repeatedly, I mean, that there's absolutely nothing wrong with you. And I now have three autoimmune conditions, probably because it wasn't caught early enough and autoimmune disease tends to breed autoimmune disease. Yes. So if you have one, you if it isn't addressed, you're probably going to end up with more. Right. And I mean, we know that there are over 100 uh, autoimmune conditions out there. The autoimmune diseases cluster in families. So it's very, very common for, um, um, you know, if a parent has them for the children to have autoimmune diseases. You know, another staggering thing is that less than 13% of Americans can actually name just one autoimmune disease. There are over 100, 13% of the population can't even name one. Right. It's, I mean, and then the, the, the fifth statistic, this is, these are statistics from um, the, uh, what's it called, the American Association uh, or American Autoimmune Related Disease Association. They're the big researchers in autoimmune disease. But autoimmune diseases affect women 75% more than men, and 
um, are a top 10 killer of people under the age of 65. Wow. 75% more women than men. That's, I mean, that's a lot. And I mean, that's probably about the right percentages that we see at our clinic. Well, tons of women are coming in. We do know that most of the people affected by autoimmune thyroid disease are women. And most of the women who have been diagnosed with hypothyroidism actually have an autoimmune condition. So that alone, I would think, would raise that number. Right. And no one actually... Uh, in the conventional medical model, actually test them until it's way too late. Well, no it wouldn't change early. their it wouldn't change their treatment. No, exactly, and that's the that's the that's the problem that we're going to talk about in a little bit. And so, their treatment that they have is generally not going to uh, be good for your body. Right, so we'll it get doesn't into help that them. Also, so here's a, here's an example. Uh, there, it's believed that ten percent of people have been diagnosed with type two diabetes actually have an autoimmune form of the disease, which is called latent autoimmune diabetes in adults, or LADA. And, you know, there are other diseases like endometriosis. They weren't traditionally treated as an autoimmune disease, but now they're starting to be viewed like, well, maybe this is an autoimmune condition. And we're starting to realize, wait, some of the stuff that we're, we've been treated before we're now treating is like, okay, this is probably autoimmune in nature. Right. Well, and I think it's good that we're at least starting to look at things differently. And well, I mean, that's one of the reasons why people end up at the Institute of Natural Health is this autoimmune conditions are growing. I mean, like we said at the beginning, they're skyrocketing and there's no indication that it's slowing down. Oh, nothing is slowing down. The brakes haven't even, they haven't even thought about putting brakes in the vehicle. We're going so fast. Right. I mean, there's, there's no, I don't, I don't know that there's brakes on a rocket <laughs> and we're, we're skyrocketing here. Right. Well, so not only are more and more people developing autoimmune conditions, but those who have autoimmune conditions are developing additional autoimmune conditions. Right. Uh, then, like you said earlier, autoimmune conditions breed autoimmune conditions. Very rarely does someone have just one. If they do happen to have just one, great, but likely there's more than one involved. And that's another thing that is generally not treated. So if someone gets to the point where they are treated or they're diagnosed with Something like Hashimoto's. Let's throw it out there. They yeah. just what they just say. Okay, you have Hashimoto's. Let's just treat Hashimoto's, and they never go on to, to look, look for anything. At else. Anything else? They just blame everything on Hashimoto's, which is the wrong way to go about right. things. It's the same thing with rheumatoid arthritis. Yes, or you know lupus. Yep. You know psoriasis. A lot of the skin conditions that are autoimmune in nature. You're not one of those thirteen percent that can only that can't name one autoimmune disease. <laughs> You just rattled off like four or five there. I'm yeah, so proud well, of you. There are a lot of them. Thanks. So, um, so, I mean, it's just autoimmune disease has become just basically commonplace. I we're so used to seeing it now, or people are so used to seeing it now um, that it's just they don't know where to turn. Like, so we're 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 looking at all of these crazy symptoms and doctors are are seemingly just kind of blowing them off and be like well no you're it's just tired i don't i don't i think you're fine you just you, let's just check back in 6 months or they're doing invasive tests right. because they're not actually testing for autoimmune and you say that it's becoming commonplace i think the symptoms are becoming commonplace yes, symptoms are becoming i don't think the diagnoses are because a lot of people are walking around and i have friends that i talk to who will you know talk about things that are going on with them and I'm thinking you need to get checked for autoimmune disease but I think a lot of people think well it's not that serious but they it multiplies and it you know I mean 
when you combine all of the symptoms together, it it you're probably suffering from an autoimmune disease and if you don't get it figured out early, you're going to end up with multiple autoimmune conditions. Right. And and so there are a lot of things that are like basically causes or things that contribute to rather not necessarily causes but contributing factors to autoimmune disease that aren't necessarily genetics. We're talking about environmental things. Like our modern Western diet is a huge contributor to this. Chronic stress, our gut microbiota changes. Um, so our gut microbiome, it cha- when, if it changes just a little bit, it really throws our entire system off. It, we don't get out in the sun anymore, so we have reduced sun exposure. Um, and that leads to you know vitamin D deficiency sleep deprivation, environmental toxins. I mean, we're exposed to thousands of toxins every single day, most of them before we even leave the house in chemicals right. and stuff, like women wearing makeup, all the chemicals that are in makeup. And a lot of these things, like even if they're not actually causing an autoimmune condition, they will definitely make it worse. Right. So you'll notice that if, I mean, I notice it in myself and I have very little symptoms at this point. We've really everything's under control. But if I don't get a lot of sleep or if I'm under a lot of stress, um, there are a lot of different things. If I'm not eating the way that I should be, everything kind of just goes haywire. And I know that I have to be diligent with it because it they can make autoimmune conditions worse, even if they don't necessarily trigger them. Right. And at the clinic, I, I give an example of, I, I use car examples and house examples a lot because people seem to understand those. And I say, look, if you have an autoimmune condition, it's basically like you have a house and your house is on fire and it's burning down. And we have all these things that are causing the house to be, to burn down. And then we have these things that we can, that we can bring in to put the fire out. So let's imagine we have, we call the fire department, the fire department shows up and we've got all these firemen dumping massive amounts of water on the front of the house to put the fire out. But, we're not removing the triggers. We're not removing the foods that we're eating that we shouldn't be eating. We're not removing the the massive amounts of medications that we're taking that are that are screwing up our system. So we have little guys in the back with hoses of gasoline pouring gasoline on the fire in the back. Until we stop dumping gasoline on the fire, there's really not that that much water that's going to be able to put the fire out. So we have to remove the things that are contributing to the the condition so that the stuff that we're doing to help eliminate the condition can actually work. And people seem to understand that example. You got to remove the things that are making the problem worse. Right. As much as maybe they don't want to right. change their diet right. or do things they, that they don't, <laughs> they don't want to learn that, that gluten may be uh, that may be a huge trigger in their, in their, in their condition and their, and their problems or that dairy may be contributing to the fact that they want to sleep all day. Um, right. Yeah. They don't want to, they don't want to hear that um, until they remove it from their diet for about four or five months. And then they realize, holy crap, I didn't realize that this, you know, that gluten and dairy could make that big of a difference. Right. Or they're on, you know, we've talked about skin conditions, you know, they're on um, steroids or steroidal creams for, you know, psoriasis or something. And, People are amazed that, oh, wait, I don't actually need this anymore. Right. Like- and, and, and bringing up steroids. So that's that's one of the conventional treatments that, that conventional medicine uses for autoimmune. The conventional medicine views autoimmune disease as the immune system going completely haywire. And I... I don't really buy that. I don't buy it at all. I think that the immune system is responding exactly how the immune system should respond if it's under attack. So we have to take away what's attacking it. That's my stance on it. I don't believe that our immune system has gone haywire and is working wildly out of control. I just don't buy that at all. Right. Okay. 
So when we come back, we're going we're gonna to talk some more about this conventional treatment of autoimmune disease and things that, that I'm not a big fan of. So stick around. This is Wellness 101. Is Wellness 101. And welcome back, everyone. Today we're talking about autoimmune disease. I'm your host, Dr. TJ Williams, and Aaron is sitting over here beside me, and we're uh, we're playing talking air guitar. Yes, playing air no. guitar. That's actually what you... it wasn't me. <laughs> oh, well, I got called out on that. Well, it's ACDC. You gotta <laughs> you gotta play a little air guitar. Um, huh? Got called out on that one, ladies and gentlemen. So, okay, so when we left, we were talking about uh, conventional treatment of autoimmune disease and the use of steroids to, to do that. And steroids, for those of you who don't know, are immunosuppressants. So they basically just blanketly suppress the entire immune function. They don't selectively target anything in particular. They just suppress the whole thing. So... Like I said before, I have a little bit of a problem with this. Um, I, I, I don't believe that autoimmune condition is, a, is an immune system going completely nuts, out of control, doing something that it's not supposed to do. I think that autoimmune condition is the immune system responding exactly how it's supposed to respond to constant attack. Right. And I think, you know, I mean, if we look at this... From the perspective that our the human body has evolved over so many years, we it did not all of a sudden just start malfunctioning. And that's basically how conventional medicine is looking at what's going on. And it, in a lot of ways, makes us at war with our own bodies. And really, our bodies are doing exactly what they are supposed to do. So when you know, we're eating things that we shouldn't be eating. We're, you know, staying up more than, you know, we're not getting enough sleep. We have too much stress. Our bodies are reacting how they are supposed to react because they want to keep us alive. And so just suppressing that doesn't really make any sense when you think about it. Right. That's it, exactly right. It gets rid of some of the symptoms. I mean, when we talked about things like psoriasis, I I understand how someone would look at it and say, okay, well, I'm now on, you know, these steroids and it took took my psoriasis away or you know i mean it took away whatever the problem but there's was. also there's also research that shows that helping psoriasis uh, all you gotta do is get out and get in the sun that helps psoriasis too well yeah i mean i think there's more to it than that. well yeah I mean, but i'm just saying right <laughs> i'm mean, throwing that out there. i think that anyone who has psoriasis and yeah it's generally not that simple but um it's a blanket suppression suppressant of the immune system is not going to be the answer why not find out what it is that's actually triggering your immune system to mouth to function on overdrive right so and then there's all the side effects of steroids weight gain acne mood changes skinny uh, skin thins um muscle weakness high blood pressure triggers diabetes osteoporosis even early onset osteoporosis but i'm amazed at how many people are not told this Oh, yeah. When they're put on steroids. I mean, they're not even 
you know, they don't even go through what the actual side effects are, the what it could cause long term. Right. And <laughs> I have I had a, a lady in the office. That's been a few months ago, but th- that triggered this. Uh, she's like early 40s, pretty severely osteoporotic, been on um, been on steroids, long term steroid therapy for her two different autoimmune conditions, RA and psoriasis, since she was, I don't know, early, mid-20s, something like that. So we're looking at 15 years, and she's like, yeah, I've got to figure out something. I'm osteoporotic. I was hoping that you could help me with my osteoporosis. I'm like, did they tell you that your osteoporosis is likely due to the fact that you've been on steroids for 15 years? And she was, uh, she looked at me like I had three heads. And so I had to get out all the stuff and show her, look, this is not necessarily the best course of action for dealing with the the issues. And then, you know, what was great is when she went out and she sat in the uh, in the IV room, she was getting some testing done. And a lady was sitting there getting her IVs who's in her 70s, who's been doing some IV nutrition. And she came to us with osteoporosis and she went from a negative 1.5 T-score up to a normal T-score. So she went from osteoporotic wow. to not osteoporotic. And so this lady was just blown away that someone in her late 70s could reverse osteoporosis at all. Right. And so now she's really intrigued at what we can do. And so we've been trying to help her get on the right path. But you know, that's, we kind of diverted there on osteoporosis. Right. Sorry. But that's a side effect of taking long-term steroids. Right. And it's something that a lot of women are very concerned about and should be. Right. And again, we're not saying that steroids don't work in suppressing the immune system and making the symptoms get a little better, but at what cost? At right. long term, at what cost is your is it to do that versus what it's going to do to your to your health over the long term? And that's it's the same thing with so many um, you know, of these autoimmune conditions and with really anything that you go to conventional medicine for. I mean, the same thing can be said for, you know, like migraine treatment. I mean, like things might get rid of them. You know, I mean, the conventional medicine may be able to get rid of your symptoms, but what is it causing long term? And just step back and think about the fact that did anyone actually figure out why you have these problems? Because it again, your body is not malfunctioning after all of the years that humans have been on Earth. We did not all of a sudden the human body did not forget how to function. Right. If the long term answer is to take this pill for the rest of your life, they're not looking for an answer. Right. That's a patch. Remember that. If they're not giving you any solutions other than take this medication, we're not fixing anything. We're just adding to the mix. And again, it's not all genetics because I know that I was told that that was something, you know, migraines was something that I had dealt with for a long time. And I was told this is genetics. You know, you must just have that in your background, you know, that you are going to have migraines. And I accepted that for quite a while. And I was on preventative migraine medicine and I had emergency migraine medicine. And then I had you know, Vicodin, if that didn't work. And now looking back, that's insanity. No one actually... How many migraine medicines do you have now? <laughs> Absolutely none. Huh. I never get migraines. <laughs> Mind-boggling. Huh. So It's hard to believe that and, that's possible. Yeah, and those are the things where, you know, it gets frustrating when you look back and you're like, gosh, those were really... I was on a lot of medications for things that were really caused by, you know food and other things that I could have just changed what I was doing and it all went away and eventually right. it did. So so some of the things that you can do while you're talking about food, some of the things that you can do to help is figure out what foods are triggering the problem and remove them. 
Stop eating those foods. If you find out that you're not supposed to have gluten, stop eating gluten. If you're not supposed to have green beans, stop eating green beans. You have to test, figure out what it is that's triggering the issue, and remove those foods. Another thing is to make sure that you're getting proper nutrition. You've got to get the right nutrients in the body. We got to have a lot of things. It's just, it's not one little pill for your problem. The whole body needs all all the nutrients in the right amounts and sometimes more than more than what you would think you know the the RDA is a is is not necessarily there for determining you know how much of something that you need the RDA is there to tell you how much you need to not get the disease associated with the nutrient that you're taking so the 90 or 100 milligrams of vitamin C that you need a day is not for optimal health it's for it's for preventing scurvy, the disease associated with no vitamin D or vitamin C rather. You know, rickets is, is, you know, when you take a little bit of vitamin D, that's just to prevent rickets or, you know, all these things. You, you're going to need more than that if you want optimal health. And we got to make sure that we're getting those things, things like glutathione, selenium, zinc, vitamin D, omega-3 fatty acids, all of those types of things we've got to get in our diet. Right. And then we got to help support our healthy gut. Exactly. Because a lot of this can be caused by leaky gut, which we've talked about a million times. Yeah. Go back and listen to old episodes. We've talked about leaky gut it's a million times. It's been a huge times. problem and it leads to autoimmune disease. Right. So there, there are a lot of different things. I mean, we, we've got to support the microbiome. We talked about that just a little bit ago. You know, the, we have millions of these beneficial bacteria in our gut and they all have to be in balance and they all have to be in sync and they all have to be fed. And we feed them with eating the right foods and getting the right nutrition and making sure that we exercise and that we move and that we laugh and that we have fun and that we are socially active with other people. You know, if you're a hermit and you don't get out and, and have social interaction, it's gonna, you're going to have more health issues. There are studies that show that. You've, we're, we're, a, we're a tribal type of people. That's why a lot of these paleo groups say, you know, you're, oh, you're a part of the tribe now. And it, it's, it's, it's all about support and, and helping others. So that's just something that's out there. So that's what I think about all that. I mean, for, for what it's worth, it's, it's a, lot of, a lot of nutrition. Now, there's a doctor out there that talks about the three-legged stool of autoimmune disease, and his name is Dr. Alessio Fasano, and he's a world-renowned gastroenterologist, and he's an expert in autoimmune disease. And he, again, like I said, he explains autoimmune disease like a three-legged stool, meaning that there are three essential components. So one is a genetic predisposition. Yes, there is a possibility that you have the genetics that you could predis or that you're predisposed to developing um, an autoimmune condition. There's is, all, yeah. Go this, ahead. No, this does not mean that you're going to get it. The same Correct. thing can be said for most forms of cancer, for weight heart gain, disease, for yeah, I mean for obesity, so many different things. Right. This, these are all about light switches that can be turned on and off. Your genes, you're not necessarily predisposed just because your genetic makeup is, is says that you're more likely to get this doesn't mean that you're actually going to get that. Lifestyle choices that you make, dietary things that you do, whether or not you choose to exercise, get outside, all of these things are factors on whether or not that light switch turns on to actually give you that condition. And it can a lot of times be turned off. So that's our genetic predisposition. A second stool, a leg of that stool, is a trigger. Some specific antigen or protein or something that the immune system recognizes as a threat that sets off the cascade of 
our body, our immune system just being on alert. Um, right. And I think, you know, from my own experience, it doesn't just have to be a, you know, something specific like with celiac disease with it being gluten. I think in a lot of cases it can be some sort of trauma with, um, you know, your body goes through something and that could be something like childbirth. Yeah. Um, or emotional trauma. Exactly. You know, a I lot think of things. A lot of times Job we stress. see people, right, who develop autoimmune conditions after they've gone through something traumatic. And, and that's not always looked at, but that can change your genes. Right. And the third thing is intestinal intestinal permeability or leaky gut. We've talked about it a million times. It's go listen listen about it. We're not going to beat that dead horse. Um, we've got to take another break. When we come back, we've got more on autoimmune disease. This is Wellness 101. is Wellness 101. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. So, we've been talking today about autoimmune disease, and before we left for the last break, we were talking about the uh, Alessio Fasano's three legs of autoimmune disease. And I want to recap those real quickly before we move on. The first one was a genetic predisposition. So, you could possibly have uh, a genetic predisposition to acquiring an autoimmune disease. Um, number two was a trigger, something that happens that the immune system recognizes as a threat, real or not, it, it recognizes it as a, as a threat, and then it sets off this cascade that, uh, of, of immune reactions that we, that we consider to be autoimmune disease. And third is intestinal permeability or leaky gut. Um, so this is when the cells of our, our gut wall aren't real close and tight together and larger than should molecules leak through and trigger our immune system to react to those. And our, you know, 80%, 80-ish percent of our immune system is inside of our gut. And so it makes perfect sense that if something's getting through that shouldn't, it could aggravate our immune system and make it mad. And so then we have a trigger for an autoimmune condition. So... All right. So from there, we were discussing over the over the break of where we were going to go next. And we want to talk about some myths of autoimmune disease. There are several myths out there that we want to talk about and kind of discredit. So the first one is that autoimmune disorders cannot be reversed. So, yes, there is a genetic component to autoimmune disorders, but that doesn't mean that you absolutely have to have it. Just because you have a genetic component doesn't mean that you are destined to have an autoimmune problem. These are like light switches, like I said before, that things, triggers can happen that turn them on, the triggers can be removed, and the light switches can go off, okay? So, there's this brand new field of genetics called epigenetics, and this is the stuff that we're actually referring to here. Um, something in your environment, diet, personal circumstances, you know, emotional trauma, things like that, have the ability to turn on these genes that cause an autoimmune disorder. However, if you 
work with diet, intestinal healing, reducing toxic burden. You can basically instruct those problematic genes to turn off again. It's really a, it's really a pretty cool thing because then your immune system has a chance to repair itself. Right. And, and we've seen this happen many times and it, you know, can take a while. I know with my um, circumstances specifically, we've gotten my numbers down extremely low. I don't, I'm not to the point where I can say I don't have them, but I am still hopeful that I will get to the point where I can say I no longer have an autoimmune condition. Um, now that doesn't mean that, you know, one of mine is celiac. It doesn't mean that I'm going to be able to go out and eat gluten anymore. It just means that I'm not going to have the antibodies that show that I actually have celiac. And that's huge. Or the crazy symptomatology that goes along with it. Right. That's the thing. It's like it's like putting this stuff into remission. It's not necessarily 100% gone, but with it being in remission, you're not really seeing the outward signs or symptoms associated with it. All right. Number two. Your symptoms won't disappear without harsh medications. False. I think we need a big buzzer on that. False. (laughs) Um, Or a gong. They're bringing the gong show back, so maybe we need a gong or something. But you don't have to take harsh medications to have your symptoms go away. A lot of conventional practitioners dismiss the importance of nutrition as a major factor in our health. And I mean, I just laugh. I have patients that come into the office and then they, I'm like, okay, well, we really have to pay attention to your diet. And they'll look me straight in the eye and say, well, my doctor says that diet doesn't have anything to do with this. And I laugh at them. I'm like, okay, let's, let's say that's true. So that means that you're telling me that you could go out and eat candy bars and drink soda and French fries all day, every day for the rest of your life. And it has absolutely no bearing on your health. And they look at me and say, well, no. I'm like, well, then how could you possibly think that diet has no role in your health? Oh, well, I guess I never really thought about it that way. That's the answer I almost often get. Right. And that's they're, then they're like, oh, well, h- how could they possibly tell me that? How? I mean, that's what everybody says. Right. Well, and I do think that that's what most doctors say, you know, that diet didn't cause this, which is actually generally not true either. Big gong. Um. But I mean, I think that that's usually what their point is, is that, you know, your what you ate did not cause you to develop an autoimmune condition and what you eat is not going to, you know, reverse an autoimmune condition. Both of those are incorrect, though. Right. And, you know, conventional conventional wisdom in attacking autoimmune disease is steroids or some sort of biologic medication like um, Enbrel or Humira. And what's funny is those, I forget exactly what all those things, they, they initially started to use them for to, the conditions they used to treat them. But now we're starting to see those same medications, now they're having commercials for different autoimmune conditions. So it's just going to show that it's, it's about them trying to control the, Im, the immune response rather than actually a medication for a specific condition. It doesn't really work like that, ladies and gentlemen. And what's crazy about that is one of the most amazing things about the human body is the fact that we have an immune system. I mean, we're able to fight things off. And so it just doesn't make sense to go about suppressing that and thinking that that is somehow going to make you healthy. Right. Right. And if we ever get medical marijuana passed in this state, um, we'll also be talking about the cannabinoid system in the body, which is very similar to the immune system, only it makes the immune system work better. But that's beside the point. So, we don't have to use medications to suppress the immune system if we can remove those triggers. That's a 
it's a big thing to think about. If you can heal your gut, the, the human body wants to heal. It's going to do everything in its power to heal itself, which is why I believe that when the immune system it triggers things that give us these autoimmune conditions, it's the immune system reacting exactly how the immune system is supposed to react under the stress that it's under. We have to remove that stress so the immune system can react how it's supposed to when it's not under stress. All right, number three. Um, when you treat an autoimmune disorder with medications, the side effects are no big deal. Um, yeah, that's not that's not true either. I, I wish this this myth um, were true, but it's not. Um, conventional tra- practitioners try to bring aid and comfort to their patients. They like to reassure that medications are won't cause side effects, and the side effects that they do cause are minor. Um, yeah, that's that's not really true. I mean, we rattled off earlier some side effects of of taking steroid medications and one of those is developing diabetes that's not a lightweight right minor side effect and the problem is that when you develop side effects generally they're going to say this is a new condition and you're just going to give another be given another medication right to then treat the side effect so you're taking medications for medications to treat more medications and that is how we end up with people taking so many prescription medications 13 to 20 is what I typically see. That seems to be the magic number when people say, you know what, this isn't working. When they when they get above 10, they say, uh, this might not be working. Maybe something's wrong. <laughs> Maybe this isn't the best avenue for me. Um, all right, number four, improving digestion and gut health have no effect on the progression of autoimmune disorders. Wow. Um, yeah, that's, that's, that's the farthest thing from the truth. As well. Well, and that's the way that most doctors are looking at the body, though. They're looking at them as different systems, and the systems, you know, if it's an autoimmune condition affecting the skin, why would you look at the gut? Right. Well, I mean, right. But I mean, the problem with ignoring the gut is that that's where most of our immune system is. I mean, that's also where our neurotransmitters are made. I mean, there's so much stuff that happens in our gut. If you just ignore it and say, oh, well, no, let's ignore the gut, it's nothing to do with anything. That's just how you get waste product out. That's not true at all. Right. Which is why we've talked about this before, why it's so frustrating with even things like, you know, depression and anxiety, why they, you know, so many times the gut is missed when people come in for any sort of complaints and it's key to almost everything. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Number five, going gluten free won't make any difference to your autoimmune disorder. Well, that's not true at all. Um you know, a lot of doctors out there say, well, we've been eating wheat for thousands and thousands of years. Yes, we have, but we've only been genetically modifying wheat since the 90s-ish. And every year that wheat is a different crop because it's modified differently and we the gluten is much stickier. It's much more complicated than it was before. And so that's a problem. We're not used to eating that sort of stuff. And so we develop, we change over thousands of years with the food. Well, our food supply has changed more in the last like 40 or 50 years than it did in the previous 10,000 years. Naturally, foods don't change as quickly as what we're changing them now. And we're doing that to help feed the country or feed the world and help us with droughts and and too much rainfall and floods and all that. I, I get where they're going at it with it. And the, the idea and concept behind it is is 
I think from a good place, but the problem is that it's changing the makeup of the food and we're eating a substance that our that the human body is not used to eating. And so we see more and more conditions. If you eat more gluten, you're going to have more problems. That's just what we see. Right. And a couple of things I want to make sure that we get in here. First of all, in the United States, gluten is different. There are so many people who have an issue with gluten in the United States and they go out to other countries and they are fine eating gluten. That should be a huge indicator that we are doing something to our gluten, to our, you know, wheat products here. Or that that it's in everything. Right. Like 90% of packaged processed foods have gluten in it. Yeah. And the other thing is that you may have a problem with gluten even if you don't have digestive issues. I'm a good example of that. It does not mean that you can eat gluten just because you don't have digestive issues. Right. When we come back, we're going to talk about um, what you can do to improve autoimmune disease and things that can be done to, to help and and uh, all the good stuff. You're listening to Wellness 101. is Wellness 101. And welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. The uh, the audio today has been an air guitarist's dream, I've noticed here in the studio. It's been, fanta- <laughs> been fantastic today. Um, so, today we've been talking about autoimmune disease. Before we left for the last break, we were talking about uh, common myths. Um, there's a couple others I want to touch on before we move on to what you can do to improve. One of those is having an autoimmune disorder dis- dooms you to a poor quality of life. Um, you know, people come in and say, yeah, my doctor said that over time I could expect to get weaker and weaker. Uh, I've had to tell my son not to bring the grandkids over. I can't take a chance on getting sick. I mean, sometimes the pain gets so bad I can't even take a walk with my husband. There's just so many different things excuses and things and problems that people say, but they're not inevitable. They don't have to happen. Well, and that about, you know, I am not supposed to have the grandkids over. I mean, you had brought that up. And I really think if you're on immunosuppressants, well, that makes sense because you don't have an immune system to fight off anything they bring. But if you actually get it treated, um, I, I can tell you I've been diagnosed with three and my quality of life is a million times better than it was before my diagnosis. Right. So, there's that. So, you're not doomed to a poor quality of life. Right. Um, And then lastly, your immune system is what it is, and there's nothing you can do to support it. Uh, Again, conventional medicine treats autoimmune condition by just giving medication to treat the symptoms, which suppresses the immune system. I, I don't agree with that philosophy. We At the Institute of Natural Health, we just we do it differently. We strengthen the immune system. We give the immune system what it needs to actually respond appropriately. And part of that is cleaning out and healing the gut. That's right. a big chunk of it. Yeah. And a lot of medical doctors believe that that isn't possible. It's not possible to strengthen the immune system. And that's fine. If, you know, I mean, there are going to be some people listening to us who are not going to think that that makes sense. And if it doesn't, then... You know, the Institute of Natural Health isn't the place for you. Right. 
But when you get sick enough, call us because it will be eventually. Okay, so what can people do? So what people can do to improve their autoimmune disease, um, eat real food and eat an anti-inflammatory diet. So what does that mean? What is an anti-inflammatory diet? Wild-caught fish, other sources of omega-3 fatty acids, uh, red and purple colored berries. Um, those try are, to get organic. Go, yes, try to get organic for sure. Um, dark green leafy vegetables, um, sweet potatoes, nuts. These types of things are anti-inflammatory. Even adding in some herbs, things like turmeric um, can help. It's very anti-inflammatory. Ginger, rosemary, um, Get rid of things like omega-6 oils. Um, these are inflammatory oils. These are corn oils, soy oils, safflower oil. Get these things out of your diet because they are pro-inflammatory. Um, so that's one big one. Number two, check for hidden infections. So this is something that we do quite frequently at the Institute of Natural Health. Um, you've got to figure out... You know, are, do we have a, a yeast infection? Do we have hidden viruses or bacteria? Are we dealing with Lyme or co-infections of Lyme? Um, a lot of doctors seem to think that Lyme disease, you know, is not present in different parts of the country. But, yeah, that's an issue because we have we have pretty broad travel. And so it's if someone goes somewhere where there's Lyme disease and they come back, well, guess what? They can bring it to here. And it's communicable it can pass from one person to the next so it's possible that it could be but making sure that those things aren't there and if they are addressing those dealing with those work with a functional medicine doctor that can identify and help to get your body to eliminating these things Um, another big one is checking for uh, hidden food sensitivities these are these are not the same as food allergies these are not IgE or anaphylactic allergies. You know, we're not talking about, you know, eating a peanut and your head swelling up and you have to have an EpiPen. We're talking about these delayed sensitivities, IgG and IgA reactions that can really play havoc on the immune system. These things can happen three to four days after you consume a food. They don't necessarily are, they're not necessarily triggered by one individual food. It can be a combination of things. Um, Figuring out what these things are and eliminating these types of sensitivities right. from your diet and are it's a, huge. It's a simple blood test to get this done, and it can make a huge impact because think about it. How many times per day are you eating? So if you're eating things that are, you know, that you have a sensitivity to that are really taxing your immune system, you're doing that constantly. Right. So it's really hard for immune your immune system to do what it's supposed to do, which is, you know, fight off infections and things if it's constantly fighting against the food that you're taking in. Right. It's one of the things I tell pretty much all my patients is, you know, the one thing that we do every single day, day in and day out, that has the most detrimental effect to our immune system is continuing to eat a food that we are sensitive to. And the only way to find out if you're sensitive to food is actually to test that food. Yes. It's the only way. If you don't have the money to get a food sensitivity test, because I know I hear that a lot. We have talked before, um, cutting out gluten and dairy, corn and sugar, um, you know, and processed foods in general are it's huge a help. huge step forward. Right. So, I mean, it's you. there's still a lot you can do even if you don't get the food sensitivity test. And another thing with that that I, I've started to tell patients as well is a food sensitivity test is not does not have anything to do with digestion. 
It's not whether or not you can digest the food. A food sensitivity test is a test of your immune system. This is a test of an immune reaction to a food. It's not whether or not you can digest it. It's not whether or not it gives you a stomach ache or or constipates you or gives you diarrhea. This is a test of the immune system. It's a completely different thing. Yeah. At my worst, I had over 70 food sensitivities, not one digestive system, di- digestive symptom. So it doesn't necessarily cause any digestive issues. Right. Another thing that can be done is testing for heavy metal toxicity. Um, that's a that's a big one. Um, people can have things like mercury and lead, um, high levels of these in their system and not even know it. And pretty much no matter what you do, if you don't eliminate those types of things from the system, you're not going to make the progress that you could otherwise. And that's a big deal. That's a big deal. Um, fixing gut, 60, 60 to 80% of your immune system is right underneath the lining of your gut. You've got to heal your gut and repair your gut to, to make things easier on your immune system. Um, implementing supplements, things like fish oils, vitamin C, vitamin D, uh, probiotics help calm our immune response naturally. We can remember the anti-inflammatory things like curcumin, turmeric, quercetin, things like that. Um, right. And if your gut isn't working, IV nutrition is IV a great nutrition way to get it into your body. Fantastic. Exercising regularly, getting regular exercise is a natural anti-inflammatory. Go out, hang out with friends, go to the park, garden, play frisbee, play tennis, golf, do something. Get outside and exercise. Right. Just make sure that you're moving. That yes. makes a huge difference. Move. Um, deep relaxation. Stress definitely worsens the immune response. Doing things like yoga, deep breathing, massage, huge. Another big one is sleeping, making sure that you get eight hours. There's The research is pretty clear. Lack of sleep or poor sleep damages your metabolism. It causes you to crave sugar and carbs, makes you eat more, drives up your risk of a lot of different conditions from diabetes to autoimmune condi- disease. And I did say diabetes, diabetes, and obesity, diabetes. Um, getting enough sleep is essential. And some other things that are kind of overlooked or not maybe even considered are things like cryotherapy. Um, It's a new thing that we have at the Institute of Natural Health. Cryotherapy can help decrease overall total body inflammation. Um, It was originally developed to treat rheumatoid arthritis in Japan. That's a big deal. Rheumatoid arthritis is an autoimmune condition. So that's a big deal is getting that under control. And hyperbaric oxygen therapy, flooding the body with oxygen can help eliminate inflammation. And imagine what you can do when you can put more oxygen into the system and then, you know, use cryotherapy um, with hyperbaric oxygen therapy. The the anti-inflammatory effects are pretty cool. So do you have anything to add, Aaron? Nope. All right. Well, that's about all the time we have for today. I want to thank you for tuning in. Um, If you have any questions, please visit our website, theinstituteofnaturalhealth.com. You can follow us on all of our social media. Um, You can call us, 314-293-8123 for Wellness 101. And Aaron, this is Dr. TJ. Thanks for listening.